0: Green Street Radio is a production of Grassroots Environmental Education. Learn more about us and our programs at www.grassrootsinfo.org or follow us on Facebook at GrassrootsInfo and on Twitter at GrassrootsENVED.
1: Welcome to Green Street, a project of grassroots environmental education. I'm your host, Doug Wood, here with my co-host, Patty Wood. As our national debate about climate change, energy, and public health plays out in Washington, Albany, and across the country, the true environmental cost of oil and gas exploration is being understood more clearly. In Beverly Hills, California, where an oil rig and power plant sit just outside the fence of Beverly Hills High School, thousands of recent graduates are blaming their cancer and other illnesses on the environmental impact of those industrial operations. On this edition of Green Street, we're delighted to welcome journalist and author Joy Horowitz, whose book, Parts Per Million, The Poisoning of Beverly Hills High School, documents the amazing story of what happens when a school is built atop an oil field. Joy is a freelance journalist and former staff writer for the Los Angeles Times. Her work has appeared in the New York Times, The New Yorker, Los Angeles Magazine, and many other national publications. She's a graduate of Harvard University and received a master's from Yale Law School. Here's our interview.
2: I think there was a really concerted effort, actually, by uh, the powers that be to um, have you not hear about this story, actually. So, um,
0: well, that, the, that's something that we'll talk about because that's, that's part of the story, isn't it? Yes, it is. The yeah. suppression of information, yeah. yeah. So, um, so your book is about toxic exposures from oil wells operating on and near Beverly Hills High School. But you say in your introduction that your book is really about waking up. So what, what does that mean?
2: Well, I think that um, we are all living in this state of um, denial, if not uh, sort of shame, about knowing that we have built schools right next to industry, and um, we just kind of look the other way. Um, So the book, what I was trying to do was to have us um, be willing to see what's right in front of us and to um, have people um, not only, uh, you know, engage in a conversation about it, but also to um, the story to me was completely fascinating that the, there was this, um, it was almost like an Ibsen play in Beverly Hills, that if you were a person who made mention of the possibility that the oil facility and power plant next to the high school might possibly be causing people to get sick, You were ostracized. And that, to me, was a part of being wakeful.
0: And that's also something that plays out over and over and over, doesn't it? People who educate themselves about these things and then speak up at school board meetings and and town council meetings and call in on radio shows even. I mean, it's like Mm -hmm. people are like... That person is a little bit crazy, you know. I mean, how you know how could that be? I mean, you know, and you you are you are at risk by speaking out um, in a community where everybody wants things to just you know stay the way they are. You know, keep, keep the status quo and don't say anything, especially where where there's some quote unquote benefit from this thing that these educated people are talking about. And, and that, that's also, um, you know, part of your story is that the school is making money and people in, in living in, in their homes in Beverly Hills are making money from leasing their land. I mean, for them, it's like a free ride. It's like, hello, this is all found money. We're, just, we're sitting on top of it and people are paying us.
2: Well, that's absolutely right. But, but you know, the thing that's really wacky is that the royalty payments that people make from living on top of the oil is not that much anymore in Beverly Hills. I mean, initially it might have been, and certainly it, it seemed like a, a whole lot for the school district in the city when um, they were talking about this, the school district being able to make $50 million over time, Mm. um, which it did. But, you know, I mean, you get lulled into this sense of doing, you you think you're doing the right thing because you want your children to have the best education possible. And in the case of Beverly Hills, which is where I attended school, um, in fact, the schools are fantastic. They have been first rate for a long time. And so the idea that, you know, these the oil, you know, you make this Faustian bargain. the The oil wells are there. Yeah, they kind of look funny, and they maybe they spatter our kids' football jerseys with oil, but um, our schools are great, and so you you accept that that uh, trade off.
1: Yeah. So, give us a little bit of background here. What, what, how did this situation develop at Beverly Hills High School, and and how were the students affected by the various exposures that they had?
2: Well, uh, first of all, I should say, you know we may never know for sure um, you know how the students were affected. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know it's it's a matter of science always catching up, um, and we'll we'll know over time um, what the reality actually is. but but, in the case of of Beverly Hills High School, the oil wells actually predated the school, which was built in the teens. And um, then the the campus was was built um, to make it easier for people from who were sending their kids all the way to Hollywood High School to not have to do that. So it was built around the 20s or so. And and um, then by the 50s, um, there were some more oil wells that were built um, on the campus. And at the same time, uh, 20th Century Fox, which was right next door, um, had about 20 wells operating. And in the early 60s, they had this huge flop of a movie called Cleopatra and started selling off a lot of their land with the oil wells on it. So mm. um, by the 1970s, that's kind of when this Faustian bargain began, when the school district and the city uh, agreed to develop the field um, at the football field in exchange for royalties. And um, so you, so what you actually have operating right underneath the football field at beverly is like it's sort of like an offshore oil platform with 18 wellheads that are that are currently operating there um so by 2003 um there was this incident that occurred with the local air quality management district where they discovered that there was um a, a lot of benzene which is a known carcinogen known to cause um, breast cancer, among other things, um, that was leaking from these wells uh, in addition to other toxic materials. Um, And at the same time, the local cancer registry had noted that young men in Beverly Hills had thyroid cancer rates that were three times the national average. Um, and it was sort of, there were all of these anecdotal things that were starting to pile up. Teachers in the English department, it was called the curse of the English department, because there were um, one teacher after the next, after the next, who, who was working in a particular courtyard uh, with open air exposure to where the wells were located, uh, were um, diagnosed with breast cancer and other cancers. Um, so when, when the AQMD got in there in 2003, the that when um, this litigation was initiated uh, by Erin Brockovich and uh, the law firm that she was working for. Mm-hmm. Um, so so uh, a, a very large lawsuit was filed involving 1,000 um, students, former students, teachers, and local residents.
1: Wow. Okay. That's quite a story.
2: It is quite a story, and, and, you know, for me as a journalist, I was um, extremely skeptical initially with Aaron Brockovich's claims that, um, you know, that there might actually be a a known connection between all of these cancers um, and emissions from the wells. But as I dug in and tried to get information, um, I began to understand how how much was... um, how much how much what she was saying might in fact be true and um that there was there were some very powerful interests uh working against the public um uh, finding out what the truth was which is part of the reason why it took me 4 years to write this book mm-hmm. and and which is what led me to really dig in and to file a bunch of freedom of information act requests with the uh with the state of California with the federal government with the EPA and with the city of Beverly Hills and um, I have to say that, you know, as a journalist, when you get denied, uh, it just sort of motivates you more. Exactly. You, know?
0: yeah. <laughs> you, so were, you were you know, really popular, too, I yeah. bet, during that time.
2: <laughs> yeah, they really loved <laughs> me in my old hometown. Yeah. I, you know, I should also mention that part of the thing that, that motivated me was I had gone to my 30th uh, high school reunion and was kind of stunned um, at the numbers of my classmates who, in their... Um, at that point, 40s were, had either died or who seemed to have the same kinds of cancers. Um, and that was right around the same time that headlines were being made about the poss- with this lawsuit that had been filed. So um, th- that really triggered my, my interest. And I had, you know, personal attachment to various people who I had gone to school with and, of course, some of my teachers, my beloved teachers. And so I, it, it really motivated me to, to learn more
0: um you know it, it's interesting what you said when we first started talking that you know that there was a there was a concerted effort to to not make this um this story um you know well known mm-hmm. I mean you know it, it it really is a a story of national significance because there are other places around the country who are you know who are exper- experiencing the same kinds of things um but um what I'm what I'm really interested in is 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 how they tried to keep this information from the public, and then when the public actually began to learn about it, and you know, some of them may, may have thought, you know, well, there really might be something to, to you know, to this. Mm-hmm. They still didn't want to recognize it publicly because then it became a it became an issue of their of their um, the value of their home. Um, well,
2: that's true, and also their liability uh, yeah. school district wise for uh, engaging in um, agreements you know, uh, signing lease agreements with these oil companies over the years. Um, so you're absolutely right about that. Um, and also, you know, um, people don't want to give up, even if it's, you know, a few hundred bucks, um, you know, every few months. They, they like that. And, um, and, and there were all of these, I discovered all of these um, ties to various city council people in Beverly Hills, um, who who also um, you know had royalty rights themselves, so um, it was it was a dirty business, I have to say, and and it continues to be so. I mean, you know, the the, the wells continue to operate. That they, they have um, the city of Beverly Hills has agreed to um, have the wells be shut down by 2016. But meanwhile, there's an, there's another company that's that's wanting to um, continue its rights to to um, to drill uh, very close by the high school, so it it really is very much of an ongoing story. And w- one of the the real hypocrisies to me is <laughs> what's happened recently with Beverly Hills relative to uh, our subway here in Los Angeles. I mean, we're finally finally getting public transportation, which is sort of a miracle. And um, it, they've decided recently to have the subway go directly underneath Beverly Hills High School. Um, so, and, and just now, this is when the school district and the city are crying foul and talking about how there could be methane explosions and how it could be so dangerous to the children, but you know, far be it from them to make the same arguments when there were royalties mm, involved yeah. over the oil fields
0: interesting. Mm. So, so interesting. So
1: do the students at at the school now understand that there's this possible you know toxicity around them, and are, and is anybody taking any precautions, or is it just kind of life as usual?
2: I would say it's more life as usual. Uh, I would say that the that the uh, city council and mayor and um, various members of the board of education. Um, did a really, really good PR job uh, at the time to convince everybody that the risk from the wells was um,
0: minimal. absolutely
2: minimal and mm. that um, there was nothing to worry about. and um, though though some stuff came out more recently when they agreed to to close the operation of the lease to end the lease uh, with with the oil company um, but but it basically is, you know, just part of the, the scenery. It's not really something that people either discuss or pay much attention to.
0: And and of course, it is true that, that some children, um, including yourself, who, uh, who went through the, um, the Beverly Hills School District, including the high school, um, didn't get sick. Mm-hmm. Not, not everyone does get sick. And Not that's, everyone you know, that's get a very sick, but that's there a are very some... Com- th- that's a complicating factor here.
2: hmm Well, that's true. And, and the question is, uh, when you say get sick, I mean, you know, my book mostly focused on uh, cancers that mm-hmm. were um, showing up, testicular cancer and thyroid cancers and others. But there are also other forms of illness. Um, sure. For example, thyroid condition among um, a lot of, of um, locals in Beverly Hills, myself included, and... Mm-hmm and um and just as my book was being published was when um i i i was diagnosed with mesothelioma excuse me not mesothelioma but with with melanoma but mm-hmm. but um yeah you never know you know there are some really healthy people and coaches at the school who have worked forever and who are really healthy and others who have had multiple cancers
0: so. and, and that's one of the problems and you know we were we were in a, in a meeting in albany yesterday and um one of the, um, the people we were meeting with Asked um, a doctor who was in the room Well, how many cases I mean, they were talking about The cases of, um, you know, of illness In people living near The, uh, the gas drilling sites Or mm-hmm. the oil the, uh, the gas wells in Pennsylvania And they said, well, how many people And the doctor turned to him And said, how many do you need
2: Good answer, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly mm-hmm. How yeah. many do you need mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's you're you're playing Russian roulette with this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, tell tell us a, this. Um, I know it's a, a, a sad family story um, for you, but can you share the story about your dad and the impact it's had on you and your professional life?
2: Oh, I, I would be happy to. And you know, the thing is, is that uh, I don't even think of it. Although I miss my dad terribly, I don't think of it as a sad story. I think of it as a very very inspirational and empowering story what happened with my dad my, my dad um who was a psychologist in beverly hills um uh, died of mesothelioma which is the sort of uh cancer uh of the lining of the lung uh, uh, that's caused only by uh, exposure to asbestos so the question was you know where where was his exposure how did he get this and um his it turned out came from his having smoked um with the Micronite filter. Um, And it was manufactured between 1952 and 1956, at at which point it was promoted by the madmen of, um, you know, um, the advertising world as the healthy cigarette to smoke because of the filter. Mm -hmm. But in in fact, the Micronite filter was made of asbestos. So my father... um, Actually, um, against my desire, but but um, felt that he had to sue um, Lorillard, the the manufacturer of Kent's. Um, and he won. He was the first American to beat Big Tobacco in a court of law. And um, I'm really proud of the fact that both my, my father and my mother pursued the case in the way that they did. And um really taught me and and my my siblings that y- you know you have to make the connection between um cancer and environmental factors it, it's it's not only possible but it's imperative that we do it we pursue it and one way of doing it is um through the justice system
1: yeah so uh, so joy who who were the allies who were the people that came out and 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 spoke out first, and how were they how are they treated by uh, by the authorities? i mean that, did the, did the, was the health department at all interested or was was everybody basically turning up turning a deaf ear to this?
2: Well, you know, as these things go, it was very complicated and very muddied because of the pursuit of the litigation um And so initially, the plaintiffs in the lawsuit and the people who got involved in this litigation were branded as, you know, greedy people who were out to destroy the uh, name of Beverly Hills and Beverly Hills High School and so on in their pursuit of um, ferreting out the truth. Mm. So um, if you were involved in this lawsuit, um, you were initially branded as um, sort of an outsider, and then there were the people uh, who I followed a lot, who were also, who I mean, I, I of course in the book follow the, the litigation itself, but um, the the folks, the parents at the high school uh, with kids at the school, who um, were not involved in the, in the litigation, but who were trying to figure out what was going on. And as as you mentioned early on, I mean, they were basically branded as. Um, Troublemakers and hysterical moms and people who were um, just trying to stir things up. Um, and <clears throat> it turned out that um, depressingly, actually, that the um, county health department in Los Angeles relies on its cancer registry to um, you know to do epidemiological looks at um, clusters and so on. so, in this case, it turned out that the woman uh, who is in charge of the cancer registry in Los Angeles County was married to the epidemiologist who was working for defense counsel in the litigation.
0: Mm.
2: So it was all kind of um, muddy and dirty, and um, it, it was not what one might hope that there would be a sort of you know, night in shining armor in the, in the public health department who would, you know, actually want to know what was going on. Um, it, it was actually the opposite of that.
1: Jeez, just what you need from your, from your tax dollars.
2: <laughs> yeah. Mm. And, the, you know, the other complicating factor, too, in Beverly Hills is that it was um, about, I think, half of the students at Beverly Hills High School are uh, Iranian-American. And so the Persian population in Beverly Hills Um, There's a a sort of long and complicated and interesting history there So the the Persian parents who were involved in trying to make a noise about the the oil wells And to see whether their children might be harmed by them Were castigated um, And there was this sort of um, ugly prejudice that one could witness By the so-called American parents against the Persian parents so there was this sort of cultural thing going on that that added another layer to the story.
1: Complex seems like a, uh, a, a an understatement of this <laughs> of this case. <laughs> Good heavens.
0: Well, I mean, we talked a little bit about you know the, the risk benefit. I mean, the the benefit obviously was the money, mm-hmm. and the risk was you know was worth taking because you know not everybody was getting sick like you said there were you know athletic you know directors and coaches that you know worked there for decades who never got sick mm-hmm. um, we well, have were,
2: and and then likewise there were there were athletic directors and
0: coaches who did get sick and who died so um i know, you know. and and how did, and did they did they come out and say well you know i mean we have so much cancer already in this country you you know you can't put the you know point the finger to this and say this is the cause of it and in some cases, they were probably right. There may have been another cause. Um, well, absolutely that, right. That's the problem: is that right. we that we have so much cancer today right. in our society um, here, you know, in the in the, in the U.S. That it's uh, it's very hard to, uh, you know, to, to finger you know anything and uh, and say this is this is the cause. And of course, that that just means that you know, we don't have to do anything. To reduce those exposures. You're
1: listening to Green Street here on WBAI. We're talking with Joey Horowitz, who's the author of a fantastic book called Parts Per Million, The Poisoning of Beverly Hills High School. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a minute. back on Green Street. We're talking with Joy Horowitz, a freelance journalist and former staff writer for the Los Angeles Times, who's written a book about the poisoning of Beverly Hills High School. And uh, we were talking about the difficulty of of ferreting out and drawing a straight line between an exposure and, uh, and an outcome. But were you or anybody else able to measure Elevated levels of chemicals at in, in the air uh, or the water near the school that that could help draw that link. I mean, how how much testing w- w- was done and and what did it show?
2: Well, during a, a, a short span of time, mostly because of the uh, media attention, um, there was uh, there was a lot of. Air quality um, testing that was going on, both by the Air Quality Management District, which is the the public agency in Los Angeles in Southern California, and by um, people who had been hired by the school district uh, to do their own readings uh, as a part of the uh, the litigation, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a game that gets played. You know, uh, you hire a um, an expert who will, um, you know, you look at these numbers and um, they can be used any which way. Um, to me, what, what spoke loudest was the information that I got as a result of public records um, or public information act requests that I got from the Air Quality Management District and, and other public agencies, which showed that there was um, benzene that was leaking from this facility that was like 9,000 times what it was supposed to be Mm. um, and that what had been reported to the local agency, which is why uh Benico, which was then the operating the the oil wells uh, received any number of uh notices of violations is which is what they're called they're like tickets that you get for breaking the law for yeah. air pollution. Mm-hmm. So there was that and then there was also um there is a radioactive iodine that that gets um injected into the wells to check for leaks uh and so at a certain point the Los Angeles County um Um, Public Health Department came and took readings about the amount of radiation that was being emitted when those tests were conducted. Um, And publicly, the agency said that it was was not that big of a deal. But then you read between the lines and see what was really going on. And, in fact, there was uh, these kids who were working out right next to the wells actually really were at risk from um, radioactive materials uh, in the air, breathing them in there. So, um, you know, will all of them get sick as a result of those exposures? No. Will Mm. some of them? Probably. Mm. You know, and uh, again, your point about being able to pinpoint um, emissions to precise illnesses is um, part of what makes this so complicated and frustrating. Um, But, you know, the, the question that I ask is, why would anybody want to increase the risk um, that their kids are exposed to? Well, what is the point of that? Yeah. Really. Yeah. And and that's what's going on here. And uh, but there was not enough of a um, voice by the parents to actually work to shut down this facility. Um, nor was there um, any interest on the part of the school district to do so for the. For the kids
0: How did you so own? it's never been so it is still operating in oh yeah it's, it's been operating, operating since the since the you know the 20s is what you're saying
2: mm-hmm, um correct.
0: and it's continuing to operate although probably less so um, there's,
2: there's it well what happens with these uh with the operation is that you end up having to pump more water into the well, in order to extract the oil and more chemicals and gunk has to go in there to bring the oil up. right. So after a certain amount of time, it's just it's completely not cost effective. But it's sort of not dissimilar from the from the fracking issue, you yeah, know exactly. Of, I was just right.
0: as you said that, pumping more water in and more chemicals in to extract you know the the this the um the diminishing amount of oil that's right. down there. And obviously that's um you know that's what we're dealing with here on the east Coast right now we're you know we're trying to work very hard in New York State to actually not let this happen in this state and perhaps you know make this a game changer um you know not just in the in this country but you know our, around the world um because you know we we have enough enough experience now there's enough history um about you know this this method this um method of of, of of gas extraction, unconventional um, gas extraction, that tells us that it just, it cannot be done safely, even with unbelievably, you know, more stringent regulations than what they have now. It just can't be done safely. And from from what you're telling me, and what we know about, you know, oil, you know, exploitation and, and drilling, that can't be done safely either. So that brings me to, um, you know, what are we going to do? Uh, we We need to stop... You know, we need to stop exploring and uh and drilling um, well, for uh m- for for, for f- these fossil fuels. We've got some huge problems here. What what's your what are your big broad brush strokes on the global warming issue, fossil fuel extraction and where we're headed as a country?
2: <laughs> oh my god, that's Come on, a good question. Just that's a, a little just a one. small little question. Um Well, I mean, I think that the more that we're dependent on petroleum, the more trouble that we're in, obviously, and that we need to figure out, um, you know, alternatives um, in developing solar uh, in a way. Here in California, of course, it's absolutely possible and critical for our future Um, and and alternative energy sources as opposed to um, oil. But, you know, obviously, excuse me, the, the oil and gas industry is um, one of the biggest lobbies in Congress, and the American Petroleum Institute is huge and always has been in terms of its influence. So um, it, it, it's a tough, tough battle that's, that we face, you know, in terms of um, particularly you look at what's happened with global warming. We know what the science is, but it turns into this political minefield, um, where we 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 can barely even have the conversation relative to um, the political election, for example,
0: well, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you were you were on the um in, on the phone when I was reading one of our news items. but um, you know, one of the the things that I was reading tonight is that um, that we are beginning to um, because of the drought in the, in the Midwest, that oil and gas drillers are so desperate for water that it's becoming a struggle to see whether crops will be irrigated or wells will be drilled. And, then, and we had a really interesting thing that just happened on Sunday, two days ago, that a nuclear power plant in Connecticut shut down one of its two units because the seawater used for cooling was too warm. So, wow, um, I didn't know that. That's yeah. an amazing yeah. story. Yeah, so was. it's a really interesting story. So, I mean, wow. you know, w- things are happening much more quickly than um, than scientists had actually predicted. Mm. And, you know, but on the other hand, you get, you know, you get the industry. I mean, Doug and I were speaking at a, a, a League of Women Voters meeting, um, and there was a, there were two industry reps there from the gas industry. And they walked in, and the first things out of their mouths were how many of you— drove a car here tonight to this meeting or did you ride your bicycle or walk and did you leave lights on at your house and you know I'm um, well, Those you are know. all fair questions
2: though. They are fair they?
0: questions. Yeah. They are all they are all fair questions and mm-hmm. we there's just need to be this this incredible, you know, sea change um, in uh, in in the way we think about energy and using it and uh, and you know and and getting it.
2: Exactly. well, I mean, and that sort of brings us back full circle to what we talked about initially about waking up and you know really, really thinking about what what is required in order to um, not not expose our children and our children's children to these toxic materials that um, are, are in our environment. We, we don't have to. we don't we also don't have to continue our dependence on oil uh, and gas. Uh, we, we, we have the capacity and the ingenuity to do other things, but, but we, we haven't really allowed ourselves um, to do it, uh, you know, and it, and it does require some form of um, personal change, and it also requires some form of serious political involvement That um, for, for people to put pressure on, you know, their local... Officials and others to to change, and, and you know it's it it it's tough. <laughs> it, yeah. It's hard, and I, I respect you very much for what it is that you're trying to do
0: in terms of educating the public. I think it's great. <laughs> well, you know that's that's what we do. Uh, you know we educate the public about the the links between these uh, these common exposures and and human health problems, and you know it it, it takes on all kinds of. Uh, Takes on all kinds of forms.
1: Joy, when you were writing the book, did you hear from the industry? Did they ignore you? Did they try to shut you down? Did Intimidate. they get in your way? Uh, did you have any interaction with them at all?
2: Well, there was a period of time where I actually thought that my phone was being bugged. Mm-hmm. And um, I also, you know, because I was um, primarily focusing on getting information through um, the trial court record, um you know i i was dealing with the legal counsel for chevron for example or um, the power plant owner with semper energy and their legal counsel so um those lawyers tended to be very respectful and cordial with me um when i dealt with them but um there was there was i discovered after my book was published there was a
0: um
2: a memo that went out, a talking point memo about how to deal with the public relative to my book um, and how to not pay attention to it and how to dismiss my concerns and so on. So, yeah, I felt like I was, um, uh, you know, being, um, it it wasn't just a matter um, that uh, people were were not paying attention to my book, but rather that, that there was an effort that was being made to silence me and the um, you know, publication of my book.
1: Sure. Well, I guess they thought if it was buried in the court documents, it would be safe from public view because a lot mm-hmm. of people wouldn't take the trouble to to go through all that. Were there other reporters working on this story, or were there other people involved?
2: Not uh, not so much who stayed with it. You mm-hmm. know, there were there were reporters who were on the story initially when it broke, but not. Not who sort of went the mile in terms of covering what was going on in court. Yeah. Um, it it gets to be you know tedious and kind of boring and yeah. laborious going through all of the court documents. They wear um, you down. Yeah.
1: You know yeah. they they've got the money to spend to to you know to spend as long as it takes to uh, to wear everybody out. Yeah. So, so if 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 there hadn't been oil drilling at Beverly Hills High School, and the oil company came along today. What do you imagine the conversation would be like? Do you still think that that the royalties would still win out over public health, or do you feel as though there's been a raised awareness among the public that, you know, that there are toxins in the environment that can cause serious disease?
2: Well, you know, there's a, in Culver City, which is uh, very nearby Beverly Hills, this issue is being raised as we speak, um, and local homeowners are, um, you know, very upset about the drilling that's going on nearby their homes. And um, it, I, I hate to say it, but, um, you know, this, this sort of gets back to not just the, the issue of denial, but of kind of shame, I think, that people feel about this. We all know that this is not necessarily good for our kids and good for us and that we may be polluting our water and, we may, and we're certainly polluting our air as we're drilling. So, uh, but, but the question is, you know, what, what do people end up doing about it? Well, they, people are hurting right now economically. Yeah. So if, you know, you can make a little bit of extra money off of um the the drilling of a well or uh, the possible you know fracking of some natural gas nearby um, people go for it and that's mm. what's happening now um you know and that because because the science involved is so um, nasty in terms of of actually proving cause and effect it's you know virtually impossible um, you know that we we wait until people are injured before we actually do anything. It, it's sort of you know the reverse of what it should be. Right. Sure.
0: Well, we certainly know that our water is is injured, if you want to use that word, and and our air is injured. And I think that just drawing the connection between. Um, you know, our our health problems and the air that we breathe and the water that we drink mm-hmm. um, is is vitally important. And, you know, I, I think that the issue of fracking has certainly has certainly raised that. Um, that, that well, certainly issue. here and in it, New
1: York, it has well, raised. Wow. Awareness. I mean, there's so many people yeah. you
0: have no idea who never, never thought about these things who are just up in arms. Um, but have you been or ever been approached about you know from a, a, a filmmaker for uh, for doing a film about this based on your book?
2: No, uh, not yet.
1: Hmm. No, I'm, I'm it, wondering that yeah, that probably wouldn't take too it, shouldn't take be too much longer. I would imagine somebody would be interested. Uh, tell me where we are with the court case. What actually has happened? Where is it now?
0: The is case
2: uh, the, the the case was basically um, dismissed. By, at, at summary judgment mm-hmm. by um, the trial court judge um, several years ago um, that and for the there were 12 test cases um, and then the rest there there were various settlements by um, the uh, three or four oil companies involved in the litigation and the, the power company um, and a couple of the other defendants. So what what essentially happened was. Of the thousand or so plaintiffs in the litigation, um, the settlements ranged from about like maybe three thousand dollars to ten thousand dollars per plaintiff is kind of what it turned into wow. um, so the the hope of getting actual information about what was going on there uh, would never really be fulfilled and um, you know, was it was it worth it for these folks to, you know, get ten thousand dollars each um, when when they were suffering from various cancers, you know, I don't know, but um, ten thousand sort dollars of doesn't
1: does not seem like a lot of money to me for somebody that has uh, that has cancer. Um,
2: it's
0: not,
1: you know, uh, but I it's guess a,
0: it's a week stay in a clinic or something. I just uh, you know, I'm. Yeah. S- you know, when are we, we going to finally wake up, as you say, you know, to this kind of thing? I mean, when we're talking about the, the chemicals that, um, that are uh, involved in an, in an oil drilling process, um, uh, it's the same chemicals that we're finding that they're using in, in fracking processes for natural gas. Mm-hmm. Talking about the, you know, the um, petroleum distillates. Um, you know the benzenes, I, I love the way I'd never heard of BTEC before. the benzene and the toluene and the ethyl benzene and the and the xylene. they're all you know chemicals that are found in these um in these industrial processes. and these are extremely carcinogenic, extremely toxic chemicals, and they find their way into our environment either through our our drinking water or our certainly our air. And you know, even at, at very small levels, um, you know, even, you know, what we call chronic low-level exposures, they can do, you know, a serious harm to our health, especially our children. Um, and this is the message. And, you know, I, I, I applaud you for, you know, for digging in and spending, you know, a chunk of your life on this, you know, on this issue because it's really, really important. We are certainly going to promote um, your book here you. on the east coast, and uh <laughs> see whether we can interest some filmmakers in uh in giving a, giving you a call and talking to you about it because I think it would make a a great documentary
1: are you mm-hmm. are you glad you wrote it that joy you spent uh, obviously you spent a lot of time on it did you feel that it was
0: i am i'm you know i'm really proud of this
2: book it's uh it's a very very different enterprise from my other work and um it was um it was certainly not easy um but i, I am glad that I did it and I, and you know uh having a conversation such as this with you is um makes me really happy uh that you know you you took the time to read it and that you're talking about it with your audience and that um you know it it's spreading the word so i I very much appreciate it and you know certainly one of the things that I understand having worked on it is that um it, it just this all takes a lot of time. You know, it's all about incremental steps that get, must be taken in order to um, uh, turn, turn the ship around a bit in terms of our dependence on oil and gas. And, and so um, I believe that it will happen, but I think it's going it's to be much longer than we want it to.
1: You've been listening to Green Street, and our guest has been Joy Horowitz, author of the book, The Poisoning of Beverly Hills High School. That's going to do it for this edition of Green Street. Thanks for listening.
0: Green Street Radio is a production of Grassroots Environmental Education. Learn more about us and our programs at www.grassrootsinfo.org or follow us on Facebook at Grassroots Info and on Twitter at GrassrootsENVED.